Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 6, 2022, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page, in the chapter, There is a Solution, page 26, the first paragraph, a certain American businessman ending with no satisfactory explanation for his fall, reading that one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 Steps, Kathy M., for the 12 Traditions, Kathy S., and reading the text are Craig F. and Colleen M. The newcomer greeter is Karen W., and the host of the second hour is Penny C. The reference numbers for Monday, September 5th, 2022, the 7 a.m. meeting is 19,367, that's 19367. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 19,368. That's 19368. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy M. to read the 12 steps. Star one, Kathy. Good morning. This is Kathy M. in Michigan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to be of service and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kathy. 
Okay, I will now ask Kathy S. to read the 12 traditions. Thanks, Katie. This is Kathy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting others, other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book. We're on page 26, the first paragraph, a certain American businessman ending with no satisfactory explanation for his fall, one paragraph only. And I will ask Craig F. to begin reading. Great. This is Craig F. Uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, recovered. Um, a certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrists. Then he had gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of a celebrated physician, the psychiatrist Dr. Young, who prescribed for him. Though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental condition were unusually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge 
of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. Okay. Um, the background first, um, this is the story of a man named Roland Hazard, um, very wealthy family, um, and uh, obviously could do whatever he wanted to do um, and needed to do. And, and uh, he uh, uh, had gone around to a lot of psychiatrists in America, had, had looked for, for help, had not found the bullet here. Uh, but uh, one of the things that happened here is that he, he first went to Sigmund Freud and, and, and uh, uh, it's not in the book, but we know that he, he, he called on Dr. Freud uh, uh, to, to see if he would work with him. And Freud said he was too busy and uh, Freud sent him to Dr. Adler, his number one kind of assistant, kind of uh, acolyte. And uh, Adler said he was too busy. And uh, so Adler pushed him off to Dr. Young, and so he went to Dr. Young. Now, the the fortunate thing for us in that is that uh, Sigmund Freud uh, believed in uh, the science of the mind. He didn't believe in uh, spiritual things. Uh, he didn't believe that there was a spiritual component to man's behavior, and neither did Adler. But... Uh, by um, going to Dr. Young, Dr. Young allowed for that, allowed for the idea that there was a, a power greater than us at the work in our lives. And so that's fortunate. But he uh, he worked with Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Young, and, this, and I always love this line. He, he, he thought he'd acquired the profound knowledge of the inner workings and the hidden, and it's hidden of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse is unthinkable. You know, uh, I, I think that uh, a, a lot of us have spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. You know, why do, why do I overeat? Why, why do I, why am I different than, than people around me? Why, why do I, why, you know, why, why, why? And uh, uh, it's been pointed out to me repeatedly that the big book says does not uh, doesn't have a chapter about why it, why it happened or why it works or, or what happened. That's not that's not a part of the of the program. That figure it out isn't one of the steps. Um, you know that that what deserves the attention of the still suffering compulsive overeater, we're told is that there's a proven and workable method by which this uh, disease can be arrested, and and so. Figuring out all these wellsprings didn't do him any good. He was nevertheless drunk. He, he'd gone to Paris and, and to come home from Austria and ran into friends of his parents, and they went out to celebrate his newfound sobriety with a bottle of champagne. And, of course, we know, you know, we look at that, and, and we, with our uh, knowledge today, and we say, you know, he, he triggered the allergy with that bottomless bottle of champagne. There, there is a satisfactory explanation for us. We know that that uh, he he wasn't uh, he he wasn't working a spiritual program. Time, he wasn't. Right. Thank you. He he hadn't found that spiritual way of life. 
and he triggered the allergy. And so he got drunk again. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Craig, so much for getting us started on this first paragraph on page um, 26. So although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So if you shared yesterday or Friday, please hold back. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Elena Christine from Boston. Rivka R. from Baltimore. Melissa Melissa St. Okay, I got you, Katie. Okay, um, this is who I have. Elena C., Katie G., Melissa, I'm not, no, Melissa C., um, Rifka, I believe, R., and then I didn't hear the other names. If you could please say your name again if you already said it once. I'm pretty sure I, I... Did you get Christina J.? No, I did not. Christina J. Um, was that Lee H? I think it was Lee H. Okay. Yeah. Um, anybody else? Yeah, Lee H. Okay, great. Anybody else I missed or anybody else want to get in here? Annette M. from Toronto. Annette M. Okay, well, that's a great lineup. So we have Elena C., Katie G., Melissa C, Rivka R, I think, Christina J, Lee H, and Annette M. Go ahead, Elena. Star one to unmute, Elena. Can you hear me now? I was talking away. (laughs) Yes, we can hear you now. Someone okay. usually so, mutes the line after everybody um, says their name. Okay, go ahead. So good morning, everyone. This is Elena Seek, a recovered compulsive overeater from Greenville, South Carolina. I did appreciate. I do appreciate uh, this paragraph. Um, I do appreciate the story of Roland, and um, you know, I appreciated what the first person said about the history. And I'd like to add a little bit of a history um, of Dr. Jung, worked for Dr. Freud um, first. And, um, you know, Dr. Freud posited the multiplicity of the mind. He did not have, of course, spirituality and psychotherapy. And Dr. Jung, at one point, he did not like to talk to Dr. Freud anymore. He said, you know what, I'm going to go because I grew, I, I, you know, I, I grew you. So he goes by himself, and then he comes up with an amazing um, um, model of how the psyche is formed, including, like the first person said, the spirituality, the notion of spirituality. So Dr. Jung is the one who introduces the first of the first psychologist who introduces spirituality and psychotherapy today. So, um, so he, you know, he helps Roland he helps Roland with that and then he goes and drinks again you know and I am remembering that therapy worked for me but why didn't do anything for my compulsive overeating because you know and and my therapist did does understand spirituality with these spiritually work but I did not have a community 
a, a community of people like I have today, my God squad, where I could find my story, where I could just give away what I've, I've learned and um, to work with others. And I didn't have the 12 steps of recovery. And so it didn't work for me. It did not get me abstinent. And it did not get me into like a, a, an amazing spiritual awakening that's ever evolving. And I'm so glad to be here and with that OPEC. Thank you, Elena. Okay, Katie G, you're up, followed by Melissa C. Excuse me, everyone. Good morning. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic Bulimic in Boston. And um, I read this this morning and I started laughing. <clears throat> so I place myself in the care of so my, da- my daughter. My father is um, a doctor and, you know, I had an eating disorder all my life and I went to so many different doctors and um, just asked them, like, what's going on? Like, how can you treat me? And I remember there was one particular doctor and um, I kind of went through treatment with her and um, same thing, like inner workings of my mind. Like, I just was like, okay, I get it. I have an eating disorder. Um, It's hidden springs. So my motives and how I think, you know, like I was young, I was in my 20s, I had I had so much false pride and still do, um, but, you know, thanks be to God, I'm changing and I, I remember her saying to me, like, you are not going to be able to live without treatment, like you are hopeless, and I was like, go, screw, and I can do this, and I am fine, and goodbye, and the funny part is if you go back a few years and hear me share on the meeting, that was like the period, right? Like the period, like end of sentence, like look at me, how how well I'm doing, you know? And the truth is understanding why, you know, um, I ate. I, I don't eat because I eat because I I was born as this woman who from my earliest memories, they weren't binging. They were sitting there with this like hole in my soul, wishing I was somebody else doing something else. Like how many imaginary friends did I have uh, doing other things at other times? And in order to take care of that hole, I started eating. And because I have this allergy, this abnormal reaction, I didn't just start eating, I started obsessing about my body and my my scale and and exercise and and I didn't think like when I went to the doctor, this super awesome, spectacular Boston doctor, all right, dude, I'm all set, peace out, and I wasn't. You know, until I was ready and the all ready means is hi. No, it means help me. Tell me what to do. I don't know if what you're doing, sponsor, is going to work for me, but I'm going to die. I'm going to die from exercise. I'm going to die from this illness. And I just want everyone to know there's so much hope. If you're in pain, God's going to do it for you. Find a sponsor and join us. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Rivka R. 
Hey, good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service this morning. I'm Alyssa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, when I read this, I think I I used to love therapy. And I, I really, I've got nothing against it. Um, but it didn't solve this problem. You know, if I were to go to a therapist, here's what it looked like when I, when I got therapy. We spent an hour or so talking about my favorite subject, me. <laughs> and um, and furthermore, all the reasons why I wasn't living up to my potential. So I got to spend an hour basically bitching about all the people who failed me. And, and then I would find some things out about myself. And what I generally did um, on my sessions afterwards was binge. And in fact, I remember showing up to sessions with like, um, with a big drink, you know, not alcohol, but like a big, <laughs> a big either diet soda drink, you know, or a big like uh, iced coffee with lots of sugar and stuff in it, kind of a drink. And um, and then I would sit for an hour and and talk about all the people who failed me and wonder why I didn't really get better. And I think you know, um, selfishness, self-centeredness is the root of my problem. And so I don't need to understand myself more. In fact, I think one of the most dangerous things that I see happen to people is they work the steps, they get better, and then they decide that they're going to work a little bit more on themselves. And so they don't work with others, and they spend a lot of time reflecting. They're going to go through the steps again, and they're going to dig deeper into themselves again. And that's not my solution. My solution is... Uh, I don't really need to know, worry about the inner workings of my mind. I need to actually spend that energy focused on a closer relationship with God. In fact, my energies are better spent if I'm looking to, to understand God more deeply and not myself. And um, thanks for that. I'll pass. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, Melissa. Rivka R., you're up, followed by Christina J. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm Rivka R., uh, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater in Baltimore. So he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and his hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. So I, I was always searching for that, like, one insight that would heal me. Uh, and once uncovered, I would never want to compulsively overeat again. Um, and I, and then I would be thin, which is what I really coveted, because then I would be loved and accepted and valued and worthy and successful and well thought of, which I thought, you know, being thin would would grant me. I went to one psychiatrist um, who told me that. If I really loved my inner child, that I wouldn't overeat. So through hypnosis, he got me in touch with my my inner child and had me love and accept her. And for a few hours afterwards, actually, I, I did feel free of the obsession for excess food. <laughs> like I remember walking down the street afterwards and thinking, wow, I, I, I don't want to eat. And um, anyway, that lasted for a few hours. Um, I went to a psychic. Uh, who told me that he would clear all of my internal blocks that would cause me to overeat. Um, and after the session, I remember he, he said, you're cured, you're cured, you're never, you'll never overeat again. <laughs> well, that lasted until my next meal. 
um, on all the psychologists and programs and diets and acupuncture and even even spiritual concepts that I'd put all, all over my kitchen cabinets, like, availed me nothing. Once my eating started, it was like trying to hold back a tsunami. And the only way to deal with the devastation of the tsunami was to eat more food, to blot out the consciousness of my intolerable situation. I, I didn't know that what I needed was a relationship with God and putting down the food, uh, which, by the way, I thought that I had. I thought, you know, as a religious person, I would ha- had this relationship, but I didn't. It was all about me. And and uh, anyway, I, I putting down the food opened a door to that relationship, and then God could come in and like split the Red Sea, like so I could walk through the food that I was drowning in, and I could walk on dry land to freedom as long as I would humbly rely on him and not forget where my power and my life comes from and continue working the steps and relying on him. So that's my choice today. Do I I want to try to hold back a tsunami or do I want to walk a free woman one day at a time on dry land through the Red Sea? And thank God, thank God for all of you and thank God that I'm here today. After uh, 33 years, in and out, in and out, and finally, 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 um, holding on to it in a way that I never really holding on to that life, you know, that life uh, ring and kicking with all my might and, and also just relying on surrendering. That It's kicking, but it's also surrendering for me, uh, surrendering that only recovery, only my relationship. Time, please. Thank you. I'll wrap up with this, that that recovery gives me the freedom to choose today. So thanks, everybody, for being there. And I pass. Thank you, Rika. Okay, Christina J., you're up, followed by Lee H. Good morning, Christina J., state of North Carolina. This is like, wow, the pinnacle of the chase. All my life, chasing, chasing, chasing. And here he is chasing a psychologist. And man, this would have been, I'm going to the biggest guy, I'm paying the most money, and this is going to work, right? Even though he didn't feel like it at first. But then he left with unusual confidence. That was every diet for me. I didn't have good luck with psychologists and all that other stuff. But once I was off the food for a few days, I felt like I was getting on top of the world. The sugar was leaving my brain. I had my shit together. And when I went on this starvation diet and I reached top of the hill as far as beauty and thinness I was model beautiful I thought this was going to be the answer because now the world would love me now they'd see me now they'd realize I was worth something because that's how I was proving myself but who was I who was I inside I was lonely I was struggling still looking for love and validation and I found that that thinness did nothing for me it's overrated man you're out there and you're overweight you know that's fine, chase it, but I can tell you from my own experience, it's overrated. Being thin is overrated. Being healthy isn't. Health is wealth. Um, and I can tell my story another time about how thinness became overrated for me. But the explanation for my fall, looking back now, was that inner emptiness. I only had food to fill that. I had nothing else. As far as I can tell right now, this guy has nothing else. Without a higher power, we got nothing. We got, we got, you know, there's nothing. We've tried everything. 
the workings of the mind and the inner springs, I had that for years. I, you know, I chased the mind. I chased what the mind was telling me. I chased all the outside solutions. I'm going to figure it out with my mind. I got a heart, though, today that guides me. And you know what was really the pinnacle of my chase? was standing in front of those donuts before my last potential binge. It was the pinnacle of my chase. It ended right there. That was my step one experiential moment. That moment, something came down upon me, a grace that made me walk away and make a phone call. What is the secret to finding God and that inner resource, taking action after action, step after step after step? I don't have to live in my head anymore that tells me all kinds of lies and tries to control and figure things out. I have to get out of that. It's not working for this guy. It didn't work for me. It doesn't seem to work for anybody just living in my head. I'm discovering a human being in my heart that I never knew was there. Just a gorgeous, beautiful heart. You know, a beautiful, precious soul on the bus with everybody else here. I don't like calling myself a bozo. I know that's supposed to be a humbling thing, but I'm a precious soul like everybody else. God's precious child. And in that, I stay humble and know that he's got my back no matter where I am, what I'm doing. And what. Time, please. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Christina. Okay, Lee A., cheer up, followed by Annette M., and then we'll open it up for more shares on page 26, the first paragraph. Go ahead, Lee. Well, good morning. This is Lee H., and I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater from Tennessee and so glad to be on the line this morning. Um, You know, I read this. I've known the story about Roland Hazard um, many times, and, you know, there are many situations that this describes in the big book, uh, especially, you know, this these last two or three sentences, above all, he believed he had acquired such profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and his hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. And I'm realizing over these years of recovery that every now and then I get in a spot where I am right now. I've been on vacation for, I've had two or three vacations in the last month, and now I'm back into my routine, and and it seems kind of uh, not empty, but just it's, it's peaceful, and yet I know that I need to take an action. I'm sober, I'm clean with the food, and yet I am needing to take an action today. And um, so I'm needing to to get another sponsee, and I'm needing to do some service. And I know that that action is what is going to keep me clean. It's none of this figuring out business, because, you know, I'm like everybody else. I spent a lot of time thinking I had this thing down, and yet um, I know that it just takes willingness to do the next right thing. And for me, that is to do service, take action, because that's what my higher power uses in my life to keep me um, abstinent and sober and living a good life. So thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you so much, Lee. Okay, Annette M., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more. 
Hi, this is Annette M. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Toronto. You know, the one thing that comes to me is um, that this disease does not discriminate. It doesn't discriminate for um, wealth, class, creed, color, anything. Uh, it, it just, it, you know, it's a we program. And the only way we access God is 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 to admit and and surrender our powerlessness and no like i think about all the therapy i've had and it's you know i'm not i'm the first to say it's good when it when you need it but any you know at the end of the day it's the action that will that will shift my connection closer to god and that's that's what i take from this paragraph thank you Okay, thank you so much, Annette M. So if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, who would like to share on this um, page 26, the first paragraph? Julie K. Julie K. Rosie W. Rosie W. Katie B. ADB. Phil M. Phil M. Darian K. Darian K. And take two or three more. Okay, let's go with this, and then we'll get another group. Julie K., Rosie W., Katie B., Phil M., and Darian K. Go ahead, please, Julie K. Good morning, everyone. This is Julie. I'm a compulsive overeater recovering in Connecticut. And, you know, I went to my first psychologist when I was in second grade because, you know, something just wasn't right with me. Um, and so very early on, I got the message that I wasn't right. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because for me, when I start asking why, I know that that's a dangerous place for me to go. I'm looking to, I'm looking to find blame. There has to be someone else who's responsible um, instead of me. And that's a very, very slippery slope for me. Um, so I stopped asking why and just, you know, started really living in the surrender and the acceptance of being a compulsive overeater. I have been since I was a very little girl, um, and that's just the way it is. And, you know, I, I am lucky. I am now considered I'm a lucky person to have this disease because it brought me closer to my higher power. It taught me so much about friendship and connection and connectedness, um, and it really forces, it, it forces me every day to look at myself and be the best version of me that I can possibly be to serve God, to serve my family, um, and be in fellowship. And there is no greater gift than that. So I don't need to ask why, I don't need to blame, because I have to view this 
use as a gift. Um, and that's it. Hope everyone has a great week. Thank you so much, Julie K. And Rosie W., you're up, followed by Katie B. Thank you. Um, Rosie W. here. Um, very gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Devon in the UK. Um, thank you to everyone who's doing service today. Oh my gosh, and what a relief to be back on a live meeting. It's been very hard this summer with kids at home. Um, thank you all for just still being here. <laughs> I have been listening. Um, let me turn that off. Um, oh gosh, yes. This, this reminds me of a really frightening time in my life where I started paying more and I started digging deep and borrowing money to stop people from, uh, to, to get people, to pay people to stop me from eating. And um, I clearly remember going, <laughs> God, when I think about it now, I clearly remember paying a small fortune to go and see a celeb celebrity hypnotherapist who had managed to some, stop some uh, some people eating who I had believed to be uh, what I now understand to be real compulsive uh, eaters. And I went to see her and, um, I mean, it was pretty awful. <laughs> and um, what's interesting is that she sort of hypnotized me off um, uh, wheat and dairy because she obviously, you know, she thought that they were the, the food of the devil and also sugar, which she also thought was the food of the devil. And what was interesting was that in the following weeks, I was able to abstain from wheat and dairy, even though I had no particular need to. Um, but I had completely skipped or bypassed what she had said about sugar. And so I, <laughs> I was continuing to eat sugar. And, and I remember putting a series of photographs of myself on Facebook um, looking slim. Uh, because the loss of wheat and dairy from my diet had had made me temporarily slim. And then a feeling of absolute despair when a few weeks later I had to stop putting pictures of myself on Facebook again because the weight had all come back on. And I remember despairingly one evening, it was 7 or 8 p.m. and I was still at work because I'd spent most of the day compulsively overeating, so I'd had to stay late to actually do my job. And just thinking, what what's happening here? And then realising hang on, I just ignored the sugar thing. And that, that moment, that was the beginning of my journey where I began to um, learn about sugar addiction. And I'm very grateful that I did learn about sugar addiction before I came here. I mean, my problem is <laughs> significantly greater than just plain old sugar addiction, but it was the start of a journey. And as with most addictions, in my experience, um, it mushroom clouded. As soon as I started looking at it, it exploded completely out of control. Once I started trying to actually tackle the addiction on my own, um, I lost control completely. And it was about a year and a half after that of just absolute hell of not being able to stop binging for even an hour um, that I finally made it into these rooms for the first time. And what a transformation. Here I am in a healthy body sitting here choosing to use my first day off in weeks um, to listen to a meeting and to make outreach calls and to do step tens and to do step work for another fellowship. This is how I choose to spend my time. time this, thank you. This enables me to have a life that's worth living. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Rosie. And Katie B, you're up, followed by Phil M. 
Hi, good morning. This is Katie B. in New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I just want to thank everybody for their shares so far. I, I mean, I just completely <laughs> identify in with all of the ways that I have tried to understand and manage and control uh, my compulsive eating. Um, and I, I can identify with the person in this story, Roland. Um, you know, I was able to maintain a career. I was generally a capable person. I had what people call cash register honesty. Um, but over the years, uh, compulsive eating, binging, restricting were just completely out of my control. And I tried what other people have talked about. You know, I went to eating disorder clinics and therapists and life coaches. Um, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, I, I understood, and it can be very helpful, right? And it, and it did help me. You know, I understood my reptilian brain and urges, and I understood things in my childhood that could have possibly brought me to this place in my life and my development. I understood that I had an eating disorder. Um, and yet, this knowledge, this understanding could not protect me from my next binge. You know, I was baffled, and I couldn't figure out a satisfactory explanation. Um, and the good news is I don't have to. I don't have to solve this. I don't have to figure it out, as has been said. And also the truth is I can't. I, I can't no matter how capable I am. Um, but <laughs> God can. And I, uh, I don't need to understand it or fix it or manipulate it or manifest it. I, I let it go. And I let God do it for me. Um, and the way that I do that... <laughs> Right is by taking the steps as outlined in this book, um, and you know how the miracle happens might always be a mystery to me, but there is no mystery or secret around the concrete steps that I have to take. Um, and if if we turn to God, God will not turn away, and um, and if we turn to God, we will receive God's grace. Um, and I have found that through these steps as outlined in this book. Um, and that is the profound knowledge that I rely on today. Um, thanks. I wish you all a beautiful day. Thank you, Katie B. Uh, Phil M., you're up, followed by Darian K. Hello. Yes, thank you so much. Um, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, we can hear you. Oh, good. Oh, good. That's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, my name is Overeater from um, Craig Ferguson, Northern Ireland. And um, it's been wonderful to hear everybody's different attempts at, at, at sorting ourselves out, you know, and, and I'm no exception. I, I tried lots and lots of different things, of course, to pay in ways. The last one I tried worked for half an hour. My sister was a representative. I really wanted to support her, and it worked for half an hour. Um, I went to, uh, I read so many books. It was incredible. I probably had a whole library. My husband kind of laughed at me about how many books I had on, on, on self-awareness and self-knowledge and so on. I wrote out diaries. Uh, what did I eat? When did I eat? When did I sleep? How was I feeling? All the rest of it. I did a lot of that. 
Um, and I was just trying to count up there how many counsellors I had seen. And the number I can remember is six. Uh, I think there are probably more that I don't remember. And they, they were all great. They were actually, they, they, they were smashing. And they helped me in so many ways. They helped me get out of a marriage that was, you know, unhappy. And uh, so many things. And one of the books helped me to stop eating, stop dieting, <laughs> stop eating, um, to, to stop dieting. And the trouble with that was that, that uh, then, of course, I, I put on the weight. But I was putting on the weight anyway, you know. And um, I even started a group to try and help uh, women talk about it. And uh, that didn't last very long or do much good. I had a kind of a, a comfort at one point in being larger because I realized it helped me to be invisible in the world. Um, sometimes being uh, slimmer and uh, looking better uh, for me was a very uncomfortable thing, uh, getting the, the, the meal gaze, you know. Um, and it's not always bad. There's lots of, lots of good men out there, you know, but whistles and inappropriate comments and behavior um, can make can make being thin difficult. So I think part of my uh, inclination towards being fat may have been to make myself a bit more invisible. The reasons don't matter. I did need help and my weight had gone up to 15 stone. I think that's around 230 pounds. And uh, absolutely desperate coming into OA. But it took me seven and a half years in OA. And in that time I got a year and a half abstinence, which I thought was recovery, but discovered it wasn't. And uh, I do need a spiritual connection. But I, it wasn't that I didn't have God, because I'd have been going around buying the food saying, please, God, please, God, stop it. You know, and I would have meditated for, for a couple of decades, you know, um, before I got this. And I always wanted to self-control part of, you know, this to, to take over, but it didn't. I firmly believe that I needed Time to be brought to okay and connect with you. So thank you so much for being here and being part of this journey. Bye. Thank you, Phil. Okay, Darian Kay, you're up, and then we'll have time for three, two or three more. Hi there. Can you hear me okay, Katie? Yes, Darian. Great. Good morning. Um, this is Darian Kay in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, who recovered for today, and so grateful to be with all of you this morning. Um, oh, I have a little different story. I, I don't know. I just never connected the mind and the body. Um, and so I never thought that it was a mental problem. I just thought I loved food, that I had a big appetite, could eat like a truck driver. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, that I, I that I just liked food. And it didn't, you know, it wasn't mental. Like, I, I didn't have a mental problem. Um, and so I never thought, um, you know, went to therapists for that. I didn't think it was something that you go to therapy for. Um, but you go to, you know, um, different pagan ways. And so I tried many, you know, pay-in ways um, with my mom and sister. And, you know, I thought, oh, well, this one didn't work because it was in a church, you know, and I'm Jewish. So maybe if I go to a temple, it'll work better. Or, um, you know, another town or um, oh, a different, you know, food plan or, um, oh, I don't know. It just it was all about the food. It was, it was just so out there. It was not inside of me at all. And I didn't understand at all that there was something up in my head that I couldn't control. And um, and so finally, finally, thank you, God, in 1986, I found this beautiful program. And I do remember going to one therapist, and it wasn't because of my food addiction, but because, I don't know, I just needed therapy at the time. And 
he said to me something about, oh, you're so unique. You know, you need to be unique and think of yourself as unique and special. And I thought, and I think I did say to him, I don't want to be unique. I want to fit in. I want to be like everybody else, you know, because when you're fat, you don't fit in, um, you know, and you're unique in your own special way. And, and it's, it's not it's not fun. It's not fun, especially as a, a young person. So I, um, you know, I, I just it didn't click. It just didn't click for me until I found this wonderful program that tells me, you know, it's uh, addiction. Um, it is cravings. It is um, mental obsession. Uh, twist the twist the mental twist, and I believe today it is. And if I can have this higher power on a daily basis help me with all aspects of my disease, then I can recover um, for another day. And I'm so grateful to be on the line. Thank you so much. I pass. Okay. Thank you, Darian. Okay, we have seven minutes, so we could take two or three more. Who else would like to share on the first paragraph on page 26? Joy B. Alexis F. and Amy G. Okay, so um, go ahead, please, Joy D., followed by Alexis F., and if there's time, Amy, we'll put you in there, too. Go ahead, Joy. The incredible thing I think about, and thank you first for your service, Katie, but the incredible thing I think about all the time is it's not just being in a church. I was a, a I've been a Christian, a Christian scientist, a Catholic. There isn't a religion I didn't hit. And uh, two doctorate degrees, and I thought, okay, well, and every psychiatrist on the planet, please. 12 years of therapy. And, and when you gather all that together and you're a senior citizen, you think, okay, why am I stuffing this? sugar stuff down my throat. What am I doing? I'm at my thousands OA meeting and I'm stuffing and I'm stuffing. And it finally hit me. I've been blessed to be a part of a vision since April. And it finally hit me that you, you must command the first three steps unless you have command of that. It, it's beginning to, and I hope others could confirm that those, those three steps are crucial in terms of it's not that you have a God, it's how you relate to that God. And um, I think, oh, I, I, I sometimes spend moments saying, why didn't I understand this earlier? I spent so much time in church, so much time in school, so much time in therapy, so much time at Weight Watchers. And I'm thinking, it's okay, you know, you found it now. And I'm really, really grateful for this vision program and my fellows who treat me every day with love and kindness and teach me what is my next step at this point. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Joy. Okay, go ahead, Alexis F., followed by Amy G. Alexis, we can't hear you. Yes, yes, thank you. There you are. Um, Thank you. I'd like to uh, give a plug for self-knowledge. If you don't have self-knowledge, how are you going to know what your red light and green light foods are? How are you going to know what your alcoholic and non-alcoholic foods are? There's a certain amount of self-knowledge that you do need to know. And God's not, you know, you can pray about it and pray about it all you want, but God's not going to come along and say, 
you shouldn't be eating this and you shouldn't be eating that. It's something that you know from common sense about yourself, knowledge about yourself. Um, and then the practice of faith and the practice of, um, you know, like getting along with others and the practice of, of, be, of being a sponsor and giving the program away comes from, you know, the knowledge of the program and practicing it. And um, I had been abandoned as a child. And I every time my therapist or my doctor left, I would um, go to, wind up in the hospital. Tens of times, tens of times it, it happened. And um, my therapist went away three weeks um, to uh, Greece, and uh, I'm, I'm flourishing. Yeah, I feel better than ever before in my life. And um, that's a miracle. I, I want to give a plug for therapy because... It's helped my daughter so much. Um, I've seen her grow into a lovely young woman, and I think her therapist had a lot to do with it. Um, she needs more help with um, her food problem, uh, and I figure I'll just be an example to her. You know, that's all I can do. Um, as far as my food goes, um, I don't uh, worry that much about it. I get up in the morning, I know I'm going to have a protein and a vegetable for dinner. So I'll say to my daughter, what protein and vegetable are we having? And she'll say, I defrost it, this, that, and the other thing. And I say, all right, that's what we'll have. It's no big deal. You know, if I make a big deal about it, then it's the most pertinent thing in my life. And maybe it is, but it's it's not more important than family and people um, it, or how I relate to them, the way I eat and the way I look might be. But um, to me, God wants you to um, love more than to um, time, please. Thank you. Okay, Amy, we have one minute for you. Do you want to take that? Hi, Katie. It's Yeah, sure. I'll take a minute. Why not? Uh, my name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Uh, so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for your service, Team Tuesday. Um, to me, you know, we're in the chapter, there is a solution. And, and therapy is wonderful. Knowledge is wonderful. All of that is wonderful, self-knowledge. But the problem with me is the disconnect. In step one in the AA 12 of 12, it says we have warped our minds with such an obsession for destructive drinking, eating, that only an act of providence, to me that's God in the 12 steps, can relieve me of it. So that knowledge for me is worthless if I can't use it to access the power that I need to stop me from eating. Because when push comes to shove, when it comes to me wanting my binge food, that knowledge didn't come to the fore. I spent also a therapeutic environment, and I've learned a lot about myself, but I could not access that information enough to stop me. So the solution is not knowledge, although helpful. The solution is not even experience. The solution is a power greater than myself. 
that can restore me to sanity so that when I am sane, I can use that knowledge. But knowledge without surrender, acceptance, and action first, and the process of putting down the food and working these 12 steps, I have to access the power first because I am powerless. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Amy. Okay, and thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, September 6th, 2022 7 a.m. meeting is 19,371, 19371. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Colleen M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, everyone. Colleen M. from Maryland. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you have found and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.